Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a dark time for the old lady. Although the Max has been restored, Empoli troops have driven his forces into Azuri exile, and the CR7 dream has been destroyed. Elsewhere, a young Vinny Italian has established a secret base in Florentine Hills. We'll speak about that too, plus all the usual nonsense, and answer your questions in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto and welcome to a special episode of Scudetto because this is 50 episodes since we started recording. So uh, Kenny and Buzz, could you please raise your bats slash your beers just to celebrate the half century? Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Yep. Cheers, guys. And cheers to our listeners. Cheers to our listeners. Exactly. I think we should be proud of ourselves for making it to 50 episodes. We've done a whole season. Um... So that's an episode a week, plus the Euros. That that makes up to 50 episodes all around. Sorry, what are you saying, Buzz? And the good thing is we're not in the same country, so we were unable to murder each other throughout this process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, national borders have been a good separator at times during this process. Other times I just wanted to hug you. <laughs> that's, that's also been prevented. Um so yeah, congratulations to us. And congratulations to you, Buzz. Um, I doubted you last week, but you have managed to best me in the tipping slash predictions league. Nine points to my seven. So you've actually improved our standing in the league considerably. I said that we were mid- mid-table last week, but when I looked closely, I saw that we were joint bottom, but now we are actually <laughs> mid-table. <laughs> and had uh, Torino not got their goal in the 89th minute, I would have had another correct score, which would, would have seen a shoot up the table. Anyway, Kenny, how are you feeling about your um, your stab at the predictions this week? Yeah, well, presumably it will be next week, I imagine. So I've got plenty of time to, to think about it. That's uh, true. But yeah, quietly confident. Good stuff. Um, and while we've got you, uh, how are you doing this week and uh, what sort of beer are you drinking? I'm doing good this week, thank you. And I have got. I'm actually having uh, a few weeks off of drinking altogether, really. So I've got myself an alcohol-free beer, and it is a Brewdog Punk AF, which I'm never really sure if it stands for alcohol-free or punk as fuck mm, IPA. Yeah. Controversial yeah. one, actually. If uh, Twitter rumors are to be believed, but uh, maybe <laughs> we'd best stay clear of that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I personally I prefer their other their other alcohol free, the Nanny State. But this one's all right, not too bad. Nice and refreshing. Tastes a bit like beer. <laughs> That's always a positive for a civilized beer. Um, how about you, Buzz? Have you uh, cracked out another special from your collection? I'm actually drinking a standard uh, Malka IPA, which I've had in the past. I, I thought since uh, we're celebrating a special episode, I wasn't gonna torture myself with uh, new discoveries yeah i've gone down a similar route actually i've got a, a citra from the uh punikin brewery that one that i've had on the podcast before very nice very uh, a f- nice fruity pale ale anyway with beers done let's move on and uh let's start on uh, the uh, international break shall we obviously the azuri equaling spain's record of 35 games undefeated although in quite unspectacular fashion with a draw against bulgaria obviously it makes the game at the weekend against switzerland a bit of a must win really doesn't it kenny yeah absolutely um and you know that would be that would be a good way to to break the record fingers crossed so yeah, I mean, let's hope that Italy show up a little bit more than than they did. Um, I I actually only managed to to catch the the highlights of of the of the game, but by all accounts, it looks like they were very highly frustrated and um, 
yeah, lacking a bit in cutting edge in in the game. Uh, so mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah, hopefully they do the business against Switzerland and yeah, break Spain's record rather than than equaling it. Yeah, you say they were lacking in cutting edge, which I mean, fair assessment over the ninety, but it was a lovely goal from our friend Freddie Church, wasn't it, Buzz? Yeah, actually, both goals are merit a little bit of um, complimentary words because the Bulgaria goal was quite nice within itself, but the Italy goal was quite special with uh, Chiesa running down the right wing, which is actually the position that uh, Pirlo had in mind for him. So a l- slight controversy there, but uh, playing a very neat one-two with uh, Immobile and then hitting it like he knows how to hit it. Uh, at that point, it really looked like Italy were going to dominate this game and uh, get the three points. And if you look at the possession stats alone of 78%, I, I don't remember an Azzurri side holding the ball that much in any game. But uh, Bulgaria were able to uh, sting Italy with their really their one and only attack, which um, probably came due to a couple of mistakes from the Azzurri themselves. Who It has to be said, in September, Italy never performed well. The fact that they got a draw and it wasn't a loss or something like that is actually a good a good omen, particularly if you look across Europe and you see that uh, France uh, was struggling, uh, uh, Germany struggled as well. So uh, of the big nations, probably England were the only one who had a, an, an easy ram- round. Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously a bit of a disappointing result, but Italy still sit top of the group. And um, yeah, you'd, you'd certainly expect them to sort that out as European champions. But yeah, while we're on the uh, Chiesa topic, should we talk about a bit of club football and uh, what's going on at Juventus? Because obviously two disappointing results in a row now and uh, they seem to have stole, sold their star man. So how concerned should Juventus fans be, do you think, Kenny? Is this the beginning of the end? Well, no, I mean, I, th- I would say that that's probably uh, a-, a bit extreme. Certainly, uh, Allegri has a has a job to do and i mean it, it's it seems to be that they've prioritized it. I mean, we, we go back to saying what we said when when pirlo joined really which was they're prioritizing sort of starting a new cycle and i think what juventus are discovering is that even they can't uh you know completely build a new cycle and just stay stay at the top i mean you can't do that in one of the top leagues in in europe uh i think there was there was a comment that Chiellini was picked up uh, or by lip readers I guess uh, saying to to Max Allegri on the sidelines where he was saying non esquadra it's not this isn't a team uh, and I think there there's a lot in that really uh, because there there were obviously some really good individual performances certainly um, I mean Chiesa you've just mentioned him obviously for for Italy but uh, he he was on fire at times in in the Empoli game but equally there were there were some really sort of subpar it's very obvious that there were sort of certain positions that uh need to be filled this is like i mean if you look through this team there there's a lot of quality there really and i think it's just going to take time for allegri to get them to to play allegri style football for example i mean dibala i i i can't really see i, I can't really see him not featuring for juve i think he'll have to come back into the fold probably more in in kind of a, a number 10 role uh you look at the options on the right they've got, they've got kulzevsky and obviously chiesa and they've got morata up top they've got players who can play in in a 4-2-3-1 for, uh, formation they've got the players that kind of fill that uh, another thing to be said is that they've got new signings to come in as well. I mean, Locatelli, obviously, um, to come in. Moise Kean to come in, who haven't been integrated yet. It's a work in progress. And to be honest, all of this talk about what a disaster for Juve. I mean, obviously, it's not good for Juve to lose at home to Empoli, but we have to give credit to Empoli because, um, I mean, this is second second week in a row that I've seen Empoli play, and I've been so impressed with them. Uh, they just look like a, a a real unit. I mean, they they know you know when to press, they know when to sit back, but I think most of all they know how to do everything as a unit. So there were times when Juve broke in this game and players were isolated. That wasn't the case with Empoli. When Empoli were breaking, you know, there were like three or four guys busting a gut to get up there. Uh, they're just a really really enjoyable team to watch, and I reckon they could actually be one of the the surprise packages. So. 
Yes, a bad result for Juve, obviously because they're Juve. But I mean, let's give let's give credit to Empoli and acknowledge the fact that this was a difficult match and that Empoli gave Lazio a run for their their money in the the first game as well. Uh, and yeah. you know that that score didn't really reflect that. But but yeah, uh, we did mention last week, didn't we? That we we both thought Empoli were really impressive and really deserved a lot more of out that game, like the free one really just didn't reflect the run of the game. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, fair play to Empoli. Um, while we're on Juventus and, and talking about Ronaldo, I guess we should just mention, as it's resurfaced in the media and other podcasts have been talking about it, there are obviously extremely serious allegations against Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, we have no kind of more insight on that than uh, anyone else, but just would encourage people to to research and, and be aware of that. Um, but but having you know kind of said that and we've got no choice really but to put it to one side and talk about the football bars like uh, how much do you think Juventus would will be really kind of missing Cristiano on the pitch? I think um, the the big question is did the Cristiano fail Juventus in the past three years or did Juventus fail Cristiano? And I, I think a big caveat on this whole discussion has to be the fact that we were in the middle of a pandemic and. Uh, the the huge uh, profits that Juventus were obviously planning on making through merchandising and other endeavors using Ronaldo, despite the allegations that you you mentioned earlier, that obviously didn't materialize at all because of the period we're living in. So there's a big uh, what if on the whole transfer, but I think ultimately everyone comes out a winner in this uh, in this saga. Obviously, uh, Juventus would have preferred to have known that their star man was leaving. Towards the end of the tra- towards the beginning of the transfer window, so that they might have been able to kind of make amends and prepare. But ultimately, um, Ronaldo kind of served as a, an alibi for the the rest of the team. When when he didn't score, you could say, "Well, Ronaldo didn't score, and this is why we didn't win." And now it's time for these great players, or on on paper at the very least, or, and some of them are already established. We we've spoken a lot about Chiesa and what a, what a phenomenal jump he's made since going to Juve. Well, now is the time for the likes of him and Moise Kane, as we mentioned, to mature and take this Juventus side on its shoulders. I think there's a nice hark back to um, the 90s where there was a spine of uh, Azzurri players in in the Juventus side. And this yeah. this is what we're seeing now. And uh, with Allegri, this is a, it's a very interesting project. And uh, as opposed to the last time when he came in, when it was a kind of a, a, a tank that was already on a roll, this time he has to. He's in charge of a rebuilding process, and it'll be interesting to know yeah. to see how he copes with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think jury is definitely still very much out on that project, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see it. And we should also talk about Inter, who were another club that we were saying were in crisis maybe a couple of months back, uh, but have started the season very well and perhaps even more impressive in the second week than they were in in the first week, but it's showing some character coming from behind. I think the, um, it it was hard for me to be super fearful or excited, whichever you choose, about the win against Genoa because ultimately Genoa always capitulate against Inter. But uh, this victory was uh, showed some real character. They were, they had to come back from behind. They weren't playing against a team that was kind of sitting back and letting Inter do what they want. And yet they managed to uh, pull through and. In addition, they another new signing got on the score sheet in this in the shape of Korea, which means that uh, their summer transfer work, which also it has to be said was all completed towards the beginning of the transfer window. So you have to give credit to Inter for doing the the work properly and on the pitch. Uh, Inzaghi is clearly the right man for this this team. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said, which you attributed to to Gabriele Marcotti last uh, last week, was was that uh, Dzeko isn't an upgrade on Lukaku. But I wonder if um, the three players that they have at their disposal now, Lautaro, Dzeko and Correa, are an update, or an, an upgrade, sorry, on Lukaku, Lautaro and Alexis Sanchez. Because um, to me, it, it does look like uh, Inter yeah, might, might get more out of Correa. Sanchez than... in there instead of Eriksen. Yeah. And a little sure. bit... A little bit like the Juventus chat with Lukaku leaving, of course. It's time for Lautaro to take the team on his shoulders. But I think uh, the big uh, positive for Inter is that their defense has been untouched and their midfielder has pretty much been untouched. 
And uh, la- last year, th- that was what uh, essentially uh, built their, their winning streak. Another thing that has to be said is that Vidal, who looked kind of lost and even won, got one of our award names, is suddenly uh, making a real impression as kind of an impact sub. And he's been phenomenal in, this, in these last two games. So maybe Inzaghi was a- will be able to uh, resuscitate Vidal as well. Yeah, and uh, the last club that we want to talk about in the kind of main section here. I think, Kenny, you must have written this question about Fiorentina. Is this the year that they return to the top table? I mean, it seems seems, uh, quite optimistic given the the first uh, results that we've seen. What's leading you to ask that question? Well, I mean... Yeah, I was really keen to to speak about Fiorentina because I think there's a lot of uh, exciting stuff going on there. I should uh, I should clarify that when I say to the top table, I don't mean are they going the to be tra- challenging <laughs> challenging for the Scudetto. I think even the most optimistic Fiorentina fan would not claim that. Um, but I think to be in and among the top, uh, the seven sisters, uh, the, the modern day seven sisters, I think they could they could uh, be. I, we mentioned Napoli being a su- surprise package, probably lower down the table. Um, I think Fiorentina could surprise a few people this season. Uh, Vincenzo Italiano has got them playing really, really attractive football. Um, I, also, I think it has to be highlighted. I think Fiorentina have probably, um, if you look through the clubs in, in Serie A, we've spoken about a lot of the big stars going. I think they've probably had the best transfer window in Serie A. Uh, first of all, managing to keep hold of Vlaovic, but also the the signings that they've um, that they've brought in. So obviously, Odriozola and Torreira are kind of recent additions, um, but Gonzalez as well, who plays on, on the wing, has been an absolute revelation to me. I, I know that he starred in the Bundesliga, but I, I have to be honest, I didn't know too much about him. And I think that front three, the understanding that um, Callejon, Vlaovic and Gonzalez had was absolutely unbelievable. And and you look at the just like through the spine of the team as well. I mean, the, the midfield, Jack Bonaventura, Pulgar, Castrovilli, very, very decent. I think Fiorentina actually might be glad. I know they were trying to offload Amrabat, but I think they might be glad to keep hold of him because if we see the player that uh, he's only 25 or 26, um, if we see the player that we saw at Verona, then he'll be an absolute weapon for them. And um, then, of course, they've got Martinez Cuarta and Milenkovic um, in central defence. I, I, I really think Vincenzo Italiano has done an incredible job to, to turn them around in a way um, that, yeah, many before him have, have kind of failed. I think that I, I think they're a really, really attractive side to watch. And I think at the very least, they're starting eleven to me on paper looks very good as well. So... We could see them, um, rather than talking about them as we were last season of being dragged into, potentially dragged into a relegation fight, we could see them challenging for European spots, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. But um, as you've just mentioned, Jack Bonventura, I, I think we need to highlight his uh, entry into <laughs> the Morata challenge. It was, I mean, it's, it's going to be a real contender, isn't it? He has kind of two stabs, at a whipped ball, gets dispossessed, the first the first one he hits against a defender and then manages to i don't know it's kind of a double deflection isn't it in front of goal you need to explain to listeners what the morata challenge is in case they don't know yeah you're correct buzz so the morata challenge uh it was originally the galliardini challenge after an open goal missed by galliardini i can't even remember any of the details of the first one uh but morata took the title last year with an absolutely spectacular double miss off the post, tried to backheel it, absolutely zero need for a backheel. Um, <laughs> and took the gong. And took the gong, exactly. Um, so the challenge is now named after him. Who knows uh, who it will be named after at the end of this season? Well, it could be the Von Ventura challenge at this rate. <laughs> I mean, he's a front runner. So the we'll jack. vote on that. <laughs> but yeah, that's all about Fiorentina for now. I just I, Before we move on, I just want to say that it could have been a very different story with um, Gattuso obviously taking the reins at Fiorentina earlier on in the summer. So who knows yeah. what could have been. And also, um, I remember that the three of us starting this podcast 50 episodes ago, we we all watched, uh, I believe it was Fiorentina-Torino together. It was the first game of the previous season. And although Fiorentina won, they were pretty abysmal and very boring. 
and and uh, despite losing to Roma in the first game of this season, you could immediately say you could immediately see that uh, this version of Fiorentina are a completely different proposition and a lot of fun to watch. Indeed. So yeah, and and Boaz actually there was another entry to the Morata challenge, wasn't there? That you tweeted out earlier in the week. We've got to mention last week who was. Who is that who's in contention with uh, Bonventura currently? It's um, Leonardo Pavoletti of Cagliari who somehow managed to sky a shot from... He was within the six-yard box, I believe. And uh, the keeper was in goal, but there was at least a half goal to aim for. But obviously he, his cousin or his uh, his uncle was in the stands. The, the fans, of course, back in the stadium. So he wanted to dedicate <laughs> the ball to him. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely be keeping you updated on the uh, best... Open goal misses of the league. And uh, yeah, keeping a, a tab on who's in contention for the so-called Morata challenge. But that's that's all for this week. Elsewhere, we should, we should mention that Roma, Milan and Lazio all had very high scoring and convincing wins. It's going to be difficult to pick kind of good week this week with... Uh, was it Lazio winning 6-1? I think Milan won 4-1. Yeah. Roma won 4-1 or 4-0, actually. Yeah, 4-0, I think it was, Roma. And all with great performances from uh, various star players like Giroud, um, Tammy Abraham. Uh, yeah, Tammy and, Abraham getting And Immobile. So uh, the striker is pulling through for all three teams. Yeah, and I think not only is it going to be difficult to pick a good week, bad week, but I think it's going to be difficult to pick who the front runners are for... Um, for the title race this year we said it at the start of the show and we're not the only people to, to be saying it obviously but it's such an open title race this season and uh, can't wait indeed um a, 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 an early blow bars for uh milan is that um your sexy new striker has tested positive for covid what does this mean is i mean zlatan's not gonna be ready to play is he in theory, Zlatan should be back soon, but obviously this is a huge blow because Giroud looked so uh, confident and so positive in his first two games. And yeah, he opened his account in the last game and he scored a really good penalty as well. So he's going to be missed because Zlatan tends to miss his penalties. But uh, I think uh, Milan have a lot about them going forward and hopefully they'll be able to pull through. And I think uh, hopefully this also this is... Uh, he, I think he's pro- he's positive, but he doesn't have any symptoms. So... Hopefully he'll be all right in the long run. Yeah. Well, anyway, you can't rely on Mandzukic to fill the gap because uh, he's announced his <laughs> retirement. <laughs> so He's decided to donate his, his salary to nobody anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, we wish him the best in his retirement. Perhaps not the best uh, spell of his career at Milan. But, uh, but great career overall, it has to be said. And uh, that fantastic goal in the, in the final of the Champions League that uh, Juventus eventually lost. Overall, one of these guys who worked his guts off. Right. Um, now we do have to face that difficult challenge that I just discussed of um, choosing good week and bad week. The, there are a lot of nominations for good week. Let's, let's start with good week because there are a lot of nominations. Um, Milan, Roma, Lazio all scoring high, all uh, winning with high scoring in high scoring games. And then there's Empoli with obviously a great result against Juve. Let's do it by a process of elimination. Milan conceded the goal at home and uh, the, their opposition looked a little bit lost. So, I mean, well, I'm sure Milan will get good week some other time in the, in their season. So we can take them out of the list. Yeah, that's fair. And Roma were playing Salernitana. So, I mean, with all due respect, uh, 4-0 against Salernitana is equal to uh, 1-0 against a, a good team. Um, so we can get them out. <laughs> Lazio did have a good game, but... Equally, I think there were a couple of deflections in there. Yeah, but I mean, Lazio could have uh, Lazio could also have scored uh, quite a few, quite a few extra. Look, I mean, I I kind of look at it and I think the natural thing to say is you've got to give it to Lazio because they won six one. But just I just kind of feel like going to going up against Juve um, away from home uh, and. Obviously, Allegri had never lost to, to Empoli before either as as a manager. For me, it's got to be Empoli. It just has I'm to. That's, to that's give an it to absolute, Empoli. I yeah, do it's think a huge if upset. we give it to Empoli, we can't really give Juve a bad week. <laughs> we'll get to that. I think this is a great uh, victory for Empoli coach Andrea Zoli, who famously showed up for a press conference a few years ago after he'd been beaten by Allegri's Juve. And uh, no, none of the press were left 
to listen to him and he, he kind of made a joke oh Allegri's already been here and this time the press room was obviously packed and he he made a joke saying hey nice to see that you've come to, to speak to me so I think above all this is a, a good week for him and a good and in a week where a certain number seven was spoken about a lot in Turin another number seven got on the score sheet yeah I'm delighted yeah. if we're giving it to Empoli okay let's uh let's just give it to Empoli then and um as I said, I think we've eliminated Juve from bad week because if you lose to the team that have had a good week, it's it's not that bad. Mm. But have we have we eliminated and the city of Turin? Last <laughs> week we haven't eliminated the whole city now because I think Torino are probably now front runners. Yeah, I think it's got to be it's got to be Torino. I mean, not so much for losing losing two one, but I think the the fact that. You know what? What Yurish came out and said afterwards, which was basically just uh, as he described it. The following day, after his sort of post-match press conference, he basically said, "Look, that was a it was a cry for help because basically this you can't can't appoint a manager who plays in a certain way and give him a bunch of players that play in a different way. I was given guarantees that signings were going to be made." Um, one of the great frustrations about Verona is the fact that we only made loan signings and we made them great and then sent them back to their to their parent clubs um, and their parent clubs sort of reaped all the benefit of that. And I know that they did, Torino did make a few deadline day signings, but yeah, it's that there's a lot of loans in there again and he seems very, very frustrated. And I think when your manager's coming out two days, in, your new manager's coming out two days into his first season saying that, I think it's really, really worrying signs for, for Torino after they had actually put, put in a good display in the first game uh, against Atalanta. Yeah, and that's a good note to move on to the best of the rest slash transfer roundup section as it is this week with all the transfer news coming in. Uh, so Torino, who we were just talking about, have signed the brilliantly named Dennis Pratt from Leicester. Uh, and they've also added Bacalo from Wolfsburg on closing day. So pretty pretty good deadline day for them. Uh, Roma, on the other hand, they've sent sw- the Swedish international goalkeeper Robin Olsen to Sheffield United on loan with an option to buy. That guy's career is uh, on a downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Juventus have picked up Ihaterin from PSV Eindhoven. And the 19-year-old moved immediately to on loan to Sampdoria for the rest of the season. Uh, Sampdoria, while we're on that topic, have signed our beer idol Caputo, getting that one done on deadline day. And uh, elsewhere, Matthias Cagni has completed his transfer to Lazio from Verona. Uh, but as Milan have signed someone as well, confirming the purchase of Yassine Adli. Do you know uh, much about this guy? He's a talented uh, box-to-box midfielder, and it's uh, quite curious that uh, Milan are going to park him at Bordeaux for another year because... They were arguably chasing him throughout the summer, but I guess it does wonders for him uh, starting games in France this season. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Robin Olsen being a bit of a journeyman. Um, Cagliari have completed the signing of Caceres, and who's a bit of a journeyman himself as well as Kaita Bolde. In other news, Vincenzo Montella has joined the Turkish club Adana Demispor, uh, where he'll be reunited with pod favourite Mario Balotelli. More about him later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and while we're on the topic of Serie A players signing for obscure European teams, uh, Takiro Tomiyasu's completed his transfer to Arsenal at 20 million euros, plus 3 million euros in bonuses. Uh, but Bologna effectively tripling their original investment in the player. So good deal for them. But as we were chatting about this one uh, on WhatsApp, weren't we? Did, I mean, how much do we think Bologna is going to miss him? And can he do the impossible and fix Arsenal's defence? What do you reckon? So, first of all, I think um, Bologna are definitely going to miss him because he played some really good games the last two seasons. And I I mean, I probably have a bit of a Milan bias, but I remember him scoring a great goal against Milan at San Siro, what is now two seasons ago. Overall, I'm not sure he's what is going to fix Arsenal's problems. But he, he's an, another quality player to add to their squad. This is obviously not the remit of this Italian podcast, but uh, I think Arsenal needs some superstars to really uh, return to their past glory. Yeah, no disagreement there. And, and speaking of superstars, this guy was once dubbed the next, next Buffon. Um, <laughs> but since rejecting Atleti as a two- teenager, Scoufet has... Uh, 
kind of struggle to get his career off the ground, he, he finds himself starting off again in Cyprus. Uh, so best of luck to him. What else have we got? Venezia have signed, or officially signed now, Wales international Ethan Ampadu on loan from Chelsea. So be good to see how he gets on in the league. It's quite curious because um, obviously Como were unable to sign uh, Jack Wilshire over the summer because he's a non-EU player right now. But uh, Serie A clubs are allowed to sign, I believe, one or two non-EU players, depending on how many they have, basically. Uh, one or two non-EU players. So Ampadu is going to be one of those. And uh, leaving the last till last, Udinese made the last signing of the Serie A transfer window, uh, reportedly paying around 10 million euros for Portimonese striker Beto. Uh, so that's it for our transfer roundup slash best of the rest. Um, moving on to our Scudetto. So first one is from Viola Club Israel. After we run out of beers, what is our go-to alcohol? I mean, for me, it just it kind of depends what's around. Uh, <laughs> You know, I was. You know, I was going to say. I was going to say. I like the implement the um, implication that we're raging alcoholics and that we just not wrong. <laughs> but was, but yeah, you've just completely backed up that um, that suggestion. So uh, it's red wine for me. By the way, I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. <laughs> we record a podcast for two hours a week, and then the, for the remaining part of the week, we just get plastered. <laughs> uh. I like Negroni, Sbagliato, if, if this is the question, or, or Spritz yeah. once in a while. Okay, good answers. And from Milan Obsession, there's one specifically for you here, Boaz. Um, so with big players like Lukaku and Ronaldo abandoning the league and their clubs, what do you think it says about the dedication of other players like Castillejo and Conti resisting the urge to move and staying loyal to Milan? <laughs> I'm tempted to give a really satirical answer, but since producer Ken is on my back about this, I'm just going to say that, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, both players in question just didn't have any much interest in them. And uh, if I were them, I would also stay at the Champions League club as opposed to going to some lower league team and uh, battling it out. Also, Castillejo has a side career as an Instagram model. So what does he care? Okay, I'm not <laughs> sure that's the answer that uh, Milan Session was looking for, but... <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, we, we've got another one from Milan Obsession, actually. So if each of us had to choose a Serie A player that most resembled us in personality, and that can be on or off the pitch, who would it be? And also can be a current or past player. I didn't actually realise it could be a past player because I was going to say for my off the pitch one, Raja Nainggolan, but I'm now tempted <laughs> to change it to Gaza. <laughs> Given your recent admission, I think Nainggolan is a great option for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and probably on the pitch, we I was looking at this earlier, it's probably, it's got to be Di Lorenzo, who's a, a right back that loves to get forward, is always out of position and prone to get booked. Kenny, have you, have you given this some thought? I have done, yeah. Um, and uh, t- the the honest answer is that my, my dream would be to be like Roberto Baggio on the field and uh, Martin Darun off the off the field with his fantastic uh, social media activity. The reality is probably that I'm more like Martin Darun on the field and Roberto Baggio off the field is uh, perhaps not not as entertaining. Very good. And how about you, Buzz? I mean, I do have a serious side to me, but. Particularly on this podcast, I'd like to think I'm a little bit like Ronaldinho. Uh, unexpected. Some, sometimes I'll throw some magic your way. Other times you'll cringe and think, what's he going to say next? Sometimes just stays out all night partying, doesn't turn up for the recording, that sort of thing. <laughs> sometimes goes through to Bolivia with a, a fake passport, you know, just standard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and are we, are we getting an on the field or...? On the field, I'd like to think maybe uh, in my mind I was a little bit of a Pablo Montero because uh, at least in my younger days I was a very limited player, but I made sure that uh, my opposition knew exactly where I was and I was a bit of a tough bastard. Yeah, <laughs> an, an English player. Okay, so we, we've got a question here from Sigmund Vestergaard and uh, he, Sigmund says that he seems to remember that Inter always and including this year, scored loads of goals on the opening day. Um, is this correct, Buzz, or is he imagining it? I know you mentioned last week that Inter always score a lot of goals against Genoa, but um, does this extend to the first day, whoever they play? So actually, um, I went back and checked the stats, and Inter are the team that, since I checked since 1990, 
and they're the team who have scored the most goals on opening day, including uh, this this past uh, game. They've scored 61 goals on opening day, which contrasts to Juventus, who are second with uh, 57. Um, wow. And uh, research. Yeah, and uh, there's obviously there's there's teams in there like Venezia who've only got one goal on opening day ever, having played three Serie A seasons in this period. But uh, the top t- the top uh, five teams are Inter, Juve, Milan, Roma, Lazio, and Atalanta, which is nice considering the Atalanta have played far fewer seasons in Serie A than the other teams. But obviously, they get a lot of goals. Yeah, good question as well, by the way. Yeah. Indeed. And um, we've got another question from Sigmund, actually. He wants to know our thoughts on uh, Damsgaard from Sampdoria. Um, Kenny, you answered this question when it was asked by a Spurs fan last season, thinking that he might yeah. move over there. But um, yeah. any uh, any advance on what you said before? No, I mean, I, I think what I said before was that he was uh, a scorer of great goals, though not uh, a great goal scorer. Um, which I think all of Europe has now witnessed through the Euros as well. Uh, I think all of Europe has witnessed as well that you know he's just a, he he is a great talent. Uh, a Danish friend of mine said to me that he just he can't last ninety minutes, but you know he's still young. So um, if that is something that he's known in Denmark for, uh, presumably that's something that will be you know coached into him. Uh, yeah, great great talent, really really exciting, really fun to watch. And um, Philip asks us if there are any particular players from any of the promoting promoted clubs that we're looking forward to seeing. Uh, and he says it could be grizzled vets or promising youngsters. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say that Patrick Coutrone kind of falls under both those categories because he seems to have been around <laughs> since forever. And he's played for four or five clubs now. And in my mind, he's still like a promising Milan youngster, but... Um, Empoli have decided to give him a chance and he's he's looked good uh, I'd like to see him do well and the other guy from Empoli is Pinamonti who's kind of has a similar story he's an inter striker who's been constantly loaned out and this is his uh, chance to show that he can do it in Serie A level Any yeah. to add to that I, I was just going to say uh, I mean from my li- very very limited experience watching Empoli that uh, Bandinelli looked very oh, yeah. good yeah, um, yeah. But any any others to add, Kenny? Oh, I'm I'm really excited to see Ruggeri at uh, Salernitana. This is a very selfish uh, and Atalanta focused answer, but he looked great. The, the times he did get a chance to come on last season, he's really really young. Um, it looks like uh, one of those typical Atalanta moves, best for for all parties involved. Um, it'd be great to see him, you know, get some proper game game time develop. Uh, get some Serie A experience and hopefully he'll you know be beneficial to Salernitana as well because as, as I said he, he looked great uh, so yeah looking forward to seeing what he can do and this next question is from a good friend of the pod Frank um, who said that is he knows it's early days but does do we think it would be more memorable and iconic to Mourinho's legacy if he well if he would win the Scudetto with Roma this season would that be more iconic than the Inter treble. Uh, he's a lifetime Inter fan, is Frank, but he actually thinks that a Roma Scudetto might be more meaningful and perhaps a greater achievement. Ah, uh, I don't know. I think that does Roma as a club a bit of a, a disservice, to be honest. Uh, yes, last season they were nowhere nowhere near the, yeah. the conversation, but uh, I mean, I think it's going to take some beating to, you know, to, to beat what he did at Inter. Yeah. I, I mean, if he won the Scudetto with Roma this season then maybe. I, I think Frank's onto something here because um, Rome is a city that uh, treats its football in a crazy way and they they haven't had that many championships or, or trophies for that matter. So uh, every win is seen as kind of a, a watershed moment. And uh, those, of the, those of us who remember the Fabio Capello Scudetto know how important it is to the city. And I think Mourinho so far has been making all the right moves and saying all the right things and it'll be interesting to see how he acts once the going gets tough because right now with him like eating pizza on trains and looking very dandy it's 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 lovable Mourinho and it's the kind of Mourinho we all want to see um so I mean I think it would be an incredible achievement should Roma win the league but it's not going to happen so um yeah we'll see use this quote in uh, a few months yeah I mean I obviously uh I've been making cynical comments about Mourinho on this podcast for uh, uh, 
few weeks or, or months now. But actually, I don't think he's a terrible manager. I think he could certainly win a cup with Roma. But I just don't think the kind of manager that he is now, I just don't think he can really like create a team that has that consistency to be able to win a title. I don't know what you guys think about it. I think something that Kenny touched on in, I think it was two episodes ago, was that of all the teams in Serie A, maybe the team that really needed a, a nasty streak was Roma because they, they're they're always a little bit too fancy, perhaps a little bit uh, un, uninterested. And Mourinho, while his football is not always the most exciting, although thus far this season it's been great, uh, one thing he does instill is kind of a hardworking mentality. So, uh, I, so far it bodes well and why not? Um, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about this at a great depth in greater depth in the, the coming weeks, but not 100% sure I agree. But anyway, we've got another question <laughs> from uh, Alex, who says, who, <laughs> he actually says what, but uh, I think it's a, who's your favourite Argentinian player right now in, in Serie A? And uh, why is it El Chino Martinez Cuarta? Um, I think it's, a, it's an interesting question to come right now, because it's at the period when quite a few uh, Argentinian players have left uh, Serie A. Of course, we had the, uh, Papu Gomez leave in, in January last year, but also we had the DePaul leave. We had um, Christian Romero going to uh, Tottenham. We had German Petzela moving to uh, Betis. So, and uh, so it, it seems like a, a good place to start with uh, Alex's boy, Elcino Martinez Quarta, because uh, he's, he's, a, he's done a great job. And as Kenny said earlier, I keep quoting you, Kenny, but uh, as Kenny said earlier, He's, uh, he's been fundamental in that uh, back line for Fiorentina and he's, he seems like a fun defender to watch. For me, this, uh, this, the answer to this question will always, always start and end with Paolo Dybala. Um, he had yeah. a terrible time last season, but um, yeah, he, obviously there were COVID reasons behind that. I, I think he's just a, a glorious footballer. He is a lovely, lovely player, isn't he? I've um, been enjoying him already this season and I'm sure that will continue but we should move on now to the honourable and dishonourable mentions. And I want to start this one by giving a dishonourable to the ball, which is being used in Serie A this season. I don't know if any of you know, it looks yeah. like a child's like toy. A mould master. It looks yeah. like a mould master, exactly. It looks like it's all one piece of plastic. Yeah, it's I'm sure it's not, but um, like the ridges give that impression. And I'm just not a fan. So sorry, guys. Uh, Kenny, I think we spoke briefly about Torino earlier in a slightly negative tone, but we did want to give them an honourable mention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, because Dennis Law, who I think he only actually had one season uh, at Torino, um, but obviously one of the, I think Scotland's only ever Ballon d'Or winner, actually. Um, And he announced last week that he was fighting or that he was... um, in the early early stages of dementia, he, he had been diagnosed with it. Uh, and Torino sent out a message saying, come on, Dennis, we are close to you with all our affection. And uh, it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed like they didn't have to do it. Um, and it was very nice. I'm sure, I'm sure very much appreciated as well. Yeah, for sure. And obviously very fondly remembered there. Boaz, just on a complete change of tone. We have to give it honourable to Junior Messias, don't we? He's, he's got a lot of press in the past week for his antics as a uh, fridge delivery man <laughs> prior to being a professional footballer. But I think there's actually more to this story. To be honest, we highlighted him uh, at the beginning of last season when Crotone came up, when obviously the, pl- the birthplace of the Crouton. And um, <laughs> we said that he, he was quite a special player, but uh, something that's important to say about his backstory that doesn't seem to have been picked up so much is that actually he he gave up on football altogether and there was this coach that uh asked him to join his team in Echelenza and uh the, and Messia said listen I'm I've got uh, this job as a fridge delivery guy and I, I I can't I need to make money for my family I can't uh, be just going around playing football and once this coach became a coach in Serie D he, he called this guy up again and he's like listen I can give you the same salary you're making right now as a fridge delivery guy. Just come play football, and he had to he had to uh, convince the the president of this team to play some unknown Brazilian and pay him what is a decent amount in in Serie D. And also they had to work on his work permit. So overall, it's a, it's not just it's a story. He's he's going to be playing in the Champions League very shortly, and 
to consider that just a few years ago he was playing in non-league is is crazy. That is amazing. He's almost sold out by becoming a footballer. Maybe his true passion was in fridge delivery. And the, he's not a spring chicken, he's 30, but maybe something that uh, will benefit him is that the, until he was about 25, he, he never did any proper training and he, he didn't really wear his body out, except for lifting fridges, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, have you ever delivered a fridge? It's fucking hard work. I, I haven't, but, but I assume that you're working different muscles to what you're using when you're playing football. So now he has a sturdy upper body and now he can start working out his legs. You know? And don't forget leg day, basically. Yeah, um, my experience of, uh, I've never delivered fridges, but just lifting fridges, moving fridges around, it's, uh, it's hard work. Don't underestimate that. Um, Kenny, I'd, please I'd, give sorry, us your I'd, goals I'd, on the sorry, board so we can stop talking about this. <laughs> just, just, to, uh, <laughs> just to end, it's, it's nice that um, Messi did end up in Italy after all, although it is, it's the wrong, it's Messias and not, uh, we, we got a Messiah after all, is what I was going to say. Uh, and also he's a Milan, not Napoli, so, but anyway, Kenny, goals honourables, go. Goals honourables, yes, okay, uh, of course. Uh, so this week, uh, the first one's going to, to Vlaovic for what was uh, uh, almost impossible, impossible header, but it was uh, a great move that was kind of indicative of uh, Italiano's play, really, what, what we were talking about. Just lovely sort of sweeping move and really, really difficult to to tuck away. And he did it expertly into into the bottom corner. Um, my second goals honourables for Felipe Anderson. There was a bit of controversy uh, about this goal. The, the suggestion was that it was a high boot, but I think when you see the replays, um, it, it was not at all. I mean, the the defender's head was a, a, some some distance away from uh, from the ball or his foot. There was no sort of backing out, but basically just took a long pass and just flicked it over the defender. Uh, raced on, rounded. Well, not didn't round the keeper, but took the ball out wide and and finished it off expertly. And my final one is for. Chiesa, the, the goal that we've already spoken about, the uh, wonderful effort in that uh, Italy-Bulgaria game. Good stuff. Um, and then, Burz, this uh, next honourable actually confused me a little bit because we've just said that the last signing of the window was made by Udinese, but now we're giving honourable to Galliani for making his final signing 46 seconds before the transfer window closes. I'm guessing we're talking about Serie A versus Serie B, though. Exactly. Uh, the Udinese signing was the very final signing of, of uh, the Serie A. Uh, However, um, Adriano Galliani, who was the former uh, former uh, chief in at Milan and no, kind of an Uncle Fester impersonator at times, <laughs> managed to deposit this the contract for Luca Marone 46 seconds before the market was uh, shutting at 12, at 8 Zero zero thirteen seconds. Crazy. That is crazy. Um, we've got to give a dishonorable, unfortunately, to our boy Mario Balotelli for his uh, on-pitch tantrum. We mentioned earlier that um, Aeroplanino was was going to be the, his new manager in Turkey, but uh, Balotelli was seen when he was subbed off going crazy on the bench and starting hitting his teammate who he's known for about two weeks as well he's been there for two weeks <laughs> and he's just slapping this guy out, out of like complete frustration for being subbed and promptly the team sacked their manager um, and brought Vincenzo Montella so maybe it's actually an honor rule but anyway <laughs> I keep saying this but in, in a, Italy were seriously lacking a number nine again last night and in a parallel universe, Balotelli would have been there to score a hat-trick. Uh, Kenny, did you want to give uh, an honourable to AZ Alkmaar? I am, yes. Yes, this is the this is related to the signing of uh, Coop Miners uh, by Atalanta. Um, nevertheless, AZ Alkmaar decided to, to field him in their, uh, in their league game. And then at the end of the game, he went around giving a big uh, emotional farewell. So having the goal to... To feel the player that you've just sold for millions of euros, um, you know, just taking whatever whatever risks. Um, yeah, yeah, I just think it's pretty bold. Yeah, I know um, a lot of Madrid fans were very annoyed with uh, Mbappe for playing for PSG when he was supposed to be requesting a transfer. So I'm not sure how well they would have felt if he'd played after being <laughs> transferred. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Boz, you've got an, an honourable for Pepe Reina for his uh, assists. Pepe Reina served his uh, sixth uh, Serie A assist 
in his career, which makes him the goalkeeper with the most assists in Serie A. And uh, for those of you who play uh, Fanta Calcio in Italy, it, it might be a good idea to put him in goal for this. And I just wanted to give a dishonourable, a light-hearted dishonourable to Cristiano. I know how difficult it can be with trying to cover a league in a different language, uh, but you really should learn to spell thank you after spending three seasons playing there. <laughs> yeah, possibly um, our last ever, sadly, our last ever dishonourable or honourable for Cristiano. Well, you never know. I mean, there's a good chance he might play against an Italian team and do something dishonourable worthy, but... Perhaps get himself into the Morata challenge, maybe. Well, one could only hope. <laughs> it's quite indicative of his Juve career that he got that typo because he really made no effort to learn Italian at any stage of these last three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Neither he or his social media team exactly. made any attempt. <laughs> um, anyway, we should end on... Uh, is this a double dishonourable for Lazio? I'm not sure this is a dishonorable for Lazio or maybe Lazio and Serenitana or maybe uh, Lotito. We'll see. But there's a player called Gondo who is on loan from Lazio to Salernitana for the last couple of seasons. And of course, uh, Lazio and Salernitana are not allowed to make any moves between them now because they were once owned by the same person. And yet this player called Gondo uh, rescinded his deal with Lazio and within a couple of hours rocked up at Salernitana. Mm, yeah. I'm not saying something shady was going on, but something shady was going on. Yeah. And my uh, my dishonorable for Lazio is sticking with the transfer theme, although uh, per- perhaps less controversial, although not without controversy. Um, and it's uh, this story that Lazio apparently missed out on uh, signing Kostic from Eintracht Frankfurt uh, because they, they had a typo on their uh, on the on the facts that they that they sent through although it has to be said that this is uh, that this has been disputed in uh, various quarters uh, but nonetheless to, to miss out on one of your summer targets for typo is quite a spectacular fail apparently they wrote Frankfurt instead of Frankfurt so they left out the K um, if this is true it's phenomenal stuff and it keeps Lazio in the running for most uh, honorable slash dishonorables I love it <laughs> absolutely um and on that note we will leave you for this week um if you don't already please do subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your audio we'll be back next week to preview the next round of Serie A games until then enjoy the international football Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.